If you have ever traveled into a third world country, especially one that's had any kind of connection with the Western world, at times you can become fascinated with their dress. I have a friend who was working in Africa, and he observed, first of all, this beautiful colored indigenous dress that the folks that lived there would wear, but then he would also see some very strange combinations of, of Michael Jordan t-shirts and, and Nike hats, and, and in 90-degree days, there would even be men who were wearing American-made wool suits a couple of sizes too big, but they were wearing them in their country because they just tied themselves to the Western world. So it was on a Sunday morning that he saw the most peculiar thing he'd ever seen before. He was actually gathered with a, a gathering of believers in Jesus. They're having a, a, a worship gathering, and he said it was really difficult for him to worship because just down to the side of him was this woman who somehow had gotten a hold of an, a pair of American men's long johns. She was wearing the long johns on a very, very hot day. But what made it very peculiar is that she didn't know how to wear them. So she actually had her hands in the feet and her head coming out the trap door. So obviously, she didn't have her head in the right place. What? <laughs> how quickly you turn. She didn't know how to wear the stuff. When, when I was a freshman in high school, I worked at a restaurant. I would bust tables and I was washing dishes. And we had a, one of our cooks was a college student who actually was going to a religious school. And he would come in after the weekend and tell us how bombed he got and the parties he attended and all that had transpired. And then he would always end it this way, and I kid you not, he would say this, he'd say, it's a good thing I put my faith in Jesus long ago because all my sins are now covered so I can do whatever I want to do because once saved, always saved. Now, I'm not here this morning to argue with you that whole theological stance, but what I'm going to tell you is this man did not have his head in the right place. And he wasn't wearing his relationship with Jesus the way it's supposed to be worn. I grew up, all my life, I've grown up in the Pentecostal church. And so I have seen, through all my years, I have seen some pretty incredible things. I have seen miracles. I have seen supernatural happenings. But I've also seen people who say, I'm Pentecostal because I speak in tongues. But then I also personally know that they've been sleeping around. They hardly ever look at the Holy Scriptures. They don't pray at all except for meals. And when there's help needed, they're more of a ghost in the Holy Spirit. They just disappear. They're gone. I want to propose to you that that person, those kind of people, don't have their head in the right place. They don't know how to wear a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you study the Scriptures and specifically in the discussions that Jesus had with people, you will notice that there are times when they ask him questions, he doesn't seem to give them an answer. He thinks he's giving them an answer, but they cannot conclude what he is saying. I understand that. I'm married. <laughs> it's the only amen I get today, that one right there. And I'll give you for instance. 
I can give Pam a call and say, okay, you're working tonight till 6 o'clock, and so let's have dinner out, and I'll ask her this question, where and when do you want to meet? Her response will be something like this. She'll pause. She'll say, well, you know, I have the baby shower at the house tomorrow. I don't know. After being married now for over 36 years, I'm putting this together because here's how it flows. She's thinking, I get off work at 6. I have a shower at the house tomorrow, so I need to go buy Babies R Us for at least 30 minutes. After that, we probably need to eat someplace close, and Longhorn's pretty close. But I need to get home, I need to get the house clean, I need to wrap the present, I need to get the party favors all set and the little games we're going to play. And so, so we probably should go someplace that serves quicker than that. So we'll go to Terreros, which means we probably should meet at 645, so 645 at Terreros. Now, how am I supposed to know that? <laughs> and and, and I, I look dense to her, but I, I don't understand. So it is it's at a couple weeks, several weeks after Jesus has risen from the grave just before he's to ascend. And he's with his followers. And you've got to understand, they didn't celebrate Easter. They don't know, they don't know why this whole resurrection thing took place. They, they knew that there'd be a resurrection, but be all the Jews would be resurrected sometime way, way, way away. Not one person and not the one who'd been crucified. So they don't know what to do with this resurrection. And, and, and so here's Jesus, and he's alive, but they don't know what to do from this point on. They are so confused that some of them just go fishing. And I, and I concur, when you're confused, go fishing. It just calms things down. And so now they come to Jesus with a simple question. They say, okay, you're alive, and we thought that you are going to bring the kingdom of God, and it was going to wipe out the Romans, and, and we're going to be a free state. So is this the moment that's going to happen? Are we going to be free now and the Romans gone? And Jesus responds by saying to this. Now, remember, the question is, are we going to be free? Is this the time the kingdom is established? And Jesus responds by saying this. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and all the way to the end of the earth. The, the problem is that, that they're, they're dealing with... with two different dimensions. The question that they're asking is, is this the time that you're going to give us the stuff we want? And Jesus is coming from a dimension that says, now is the time you're going to help me get the stuff that I want to do. When God gave the Holy Spirit, it wasn't to be the spiritual equivalency of a really great day at Splash Lagoon. And yes, when, when Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit, there comes this joy that even in difficult circumstances seems to come up from inside. There is this peace. The Scripture describes that, that you cannot really understand how you can have the peace in that kind of a challenge, but you've got it. There is this magnification and understanding of the presence of the Almighty. This morning during worship, many of you had the sense of that. The reason you had the sense of that is because the Holy Spirit is magnifying that presence of God to your senses. You're, you're understanding that. So God brings us the Holy Spirit for those moments, and yes, it does happen. But if we stop there, if we say that is why we have the Holy Spirit, then it becomes a selfishness of of. This is for me to get what I want. 
I want that presence. I want that thing. And so I will come to a gathering. And, we, and we, what we do is we take the Holy Spirit and we, and we bring him right to a Sunday morning gathering. And we say, okay, now feed me what I need. Sing the songs that bless me. Do the stuff that makes me feel better. Give me a really good service. Give me, give me a message in tongues and interpretation or prophetic word. And then we'll go, ooh, great service. And if it's really good, the pastor won't even preach. I'll go, ooh, God's moving. If we come to that place and that place alone, I want to tell you that our heads are not in the right place. We're not wearing this relationship with the Holy Spirit the way that God had designed. For he said this, you shall receive power. Not for you can show up on a Sunday morning and go, ooh, that was really good. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses, In Erie, Erie County, the state of Pennsylvania, and the entire world. That is God's design. See, some of us, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, some of us in this place say, I don't even know what you're talking about because I just knew there was God and then there was Jesus and I don't, and I just thought the Spirit was you know, like Casper out here and just floating around and that, that kind of thing. Some of you don't even want to talk about it because you have heard that when you talk about the Holy Spirit, weird things happen. People bark and, and people, they, they jerk around and, and they get real emotional and have weird things that they say. Some of you are turned off by this discussion because you had this hunger to know more about God and you went to a gathering and they said, we're going to pray for you that you receive the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, they're trying to push you over. They say, repeat after me, she came in on a Honda. See me tie my bow tie. See, that's just, and so you go, this, it's just, it's, it's, or people got, quote, filled with the Holy Spirit, but you didn't, and now you feel like I'm a second-class citizen. I don't, I, I have not arrived, and so I'll never be that person. We have even, even rumors out there that to be part of this covenant, you have to speak in tongues. And so we've got all of this weird stuff going about what is the Holy Spirit. So what we want to do in these next starting today and for the next six weeks, let's talk about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and what happened in the book of Acts. And let's not make up stuff. Let's just see what happened and embrace what God has sent to us. So the basics begin with this. We can't follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You just can't. Right after Jesus rose from the grave... We know that he entered into a room, this upper room, where the disciples were hiding. They were panicked. He didn't use the door. He just came through, and they said, oh, we think he's a ghost. He said, I'm not a ghost. Touch me. I'm not a ghost. Give me something to eat. Ghosts don't eat. I'm real. And then he said this, I'm here to activate you. See, this resurrection power wasn't for some show. This was to activate you. I encourage you to go back to our last series as we talked about the I am, because it tells what God had planned from us from the very beginning that Jesus made possible. He said, I'm, I'm here to activate you in that manner, to get you to that place. And what's going to happen is this, that what's going to happen is going to focus on a person, a power, and a plan. And so Jesus says this, Luke 24, 
Luke records as he said this. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are what? Witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You are going to learn how to wear the Holy Spirit. That word clothed actually means literally to sink into material, to sink into a garment. said, I want you to stay in the city until you sink into this garment of the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. I want you to sink into this power. So they, they are there and, and around Jerusalem, there's this, this, this great hum. There's a lot of noise going on because this is the, the Feast of Pentecost. And on that day of the Feast of Pentecost, they are in this room. They have spent many days talking strategy, wondering what's going on, and praying. They've been praying. Because if you really want to connect with the Holy Spirit, you got to pray. So they're praying. Then, just suddenly, there is a sound in the room like a tornado. And they look up, and on top of people's heads, they look like little pieces of fire. And they understand, because both of those are symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Now, these people who have been panicked and who have hidden suddenly become extremely bold, as if something has turned in them and they have no fear. They go running out of that place, and instead of speaking their native tongue, they begin to speak in languages that they did not naturally acquire. And we know that they're real languages because the people who had gathered in Jerusalem for that Feast of Pentecost came from all over the world, and they said, what's happening to those people, because we know they don't know our language, but they're speaking our language. And what they were speaking was praise and worship unto God. They said, well, what's going on? Peter, who had been the weak link, who had made such a mess of things during that Passion Week, stands up with his boldness, and he begins to tell them what has happened. He said, some of you think we're drunk. We're not drunk. This is what promised, was promised by the prophet Joel, that the Spirit of God would come upon us. And then he told them that Jesus died, that he rose again, and that they need to repent, and forgiveness would be given. And amazingly, 3,000 people that day said, makes sense to me. And they put their faith there. These were witnesses. They were witnesses of what God was doing when the Holy Spirit came upon them. The very thing Jesus said would happen, that Jesus would be declared as dead but risen again, that there would be forgiveness of sins as people repent, and that it would happen in Jerusalem and it would impact the world. All happened on that one day, the beginning of that entire strategy. It's what Jesus expects for all who follow him. Now, how many of you in here are followers of Jesus? It's what he expects of you. He expects the same thing to be accomplished through you. So I want to be really clear this morning. If all we want is a little spiritual peace, we, we want a guarantee we won't go to hell. We want a, a semi-moral life. We want a really good church service, then we don't need the Holy Spirit because we can fabricate that for you. 
We can make that happen. If we want to follow Jesus, then we must understand this, that the Holy Spirit moves in. That is his intention. So now, I want to make really clear to us today that the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a little entity. He is a person. He, she, there's no gender, but he is a person. She is a person. We are called to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Some people say, can I talk to the Holy Spirit? Well, yeah, you can. I won't get into the whole Trinity thing here, but, but it, it's one God, but, but these three, three essences of God and the Holy Spirit is a person. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells his disciples this. John recorded it in John 14. He said this, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He has already been influencing you and guiding you, but understand that he is not a power that you're going to harness so that your plan can be fulfilled. Oh, God, I'm calling on your power to make this thing happen for me. That's not how it works. This is supposed to be such an intimate relationship, like a friend who moves in, that he said, I will counsel you. I will tell you what you need. I will show you truth when you're not even sure what truth is. I am I am your friend. I am your counselor. I am your, your parakletos, which is the word that means I come alongside of you, and when you can't move any further, I walk with you and hold you strong and get you till you get stronger. I get you there. The intimacy is so deep that he said, I will call you the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will reside in you, and you will be the place of my abode, and my influence on you will be so great that I will change your character. That when you focus on what the Spirit of God is doing inside of you, he said, I will, I will change your character so that you exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Your personality will look just like Jesus. You will reveal to people around you how Jesus would be if he were right there in flesh in front of them, but you are now his image. He said, and I'll give, you, I'll give you abilities that you don't normally have. You'll lay hands on people who are sick, and they will recover. I was talking with someone who's part of this community of faith this last week. He has a small group, and one of the people in the small group went to the hospital, and so this guy and his wife went to the hospital and, the do- and got there just in time to hear the doctor say that the person was being diagnosed with stage 4 cancer in his brain, in his lung, in another organ. So this guy calls the small group together. They gather at the hospital. He lays hands on the guy, and he just begins to plead from his heart because he's, he's beat cancer before, and he said, oh, God, can, can, and he just prays. Sometime last week, the doctors came back in and said, we can't find cancer in their brain. We can't find cancer in the lung. So, so you say, but why doesn't it happen all the time? I don't know. 
But if you didn't pray, it wouldn't have happened that time. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to discern what is happening in the spiritual realm around you. There are moments that I have this strong sensation of what's happening to my children and that there is something attacking them. And Pam and I can pray and say, oh God, force that thing away. The Spirit of God gives you this discernment of what human intention would be. Years ago, it was a Wednesday night in this room, and I was teaching a class, and a lady stood up right back there who didn't come to this gathering normally. And she began to argue with me and got, it got pretty nasty. So I finally said, obviously, I've offended you, and so we're going to have to take care of this outside of this gathering. What I wanted to say is shut up, but I didn't say that because the love of Jesus comes through, sometimes except on Peach Street. So I said, I'll, I'll talk to you later. And so my intention was to meet with her next, the next week in my office. And, and before I got out of here, three different people from this community of faith walked up to me, unbeknownst to each other, and said, Pastor, when you said you're going to meet with her, the Spirit of God said to me, tell the pastor not to meet with her alone said, okay, I get it. So some of you remember Pastor Terry Bryant and, and Pam. I had them come in with me. This woman came to meet with us. Oh, we got nowhere. She was just, there was a, just a spirit in her that just was, I want to argue, I want to I destroy you, I want, and just, it was horrible. So she left the office, and Pam Bryant then said to Terry and I, she said, how did you do that? We said, how did we do what? They said, how did, you, how did you keep your mind clear? I said, what are you talking about? She said, did you see what she had on? I said, no. She said she was wearing a see-through blouse. And neither Terry and I noticed it, which is, has to be God. <laughs> oh, you think Terry's pure. He's not. Come on. <laughs> so then I made some phone calls, and I found out that this woman had been to several other churches and tried to seduce the pastor. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding and warnings. We live in such an incredibly horrible culture. We need that discernment. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding of knowledge that you didn't even know beforehand, and suddenly you will know it. I've watched people counsel, and they'll turn to a person and say, when you were young, you, this happened to you, didn't it? And they'll go, how did you know? Well, they're, they're not a seer, and they're, they're not using familiar spirits. It's the Holy Spirit that's saying, this is what happened. And the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and strategy on how to figure things out that you couldn't figure out at work, and suddenly, there they are. You say, there's the answer. Because he resides within. He gives us these things so that we can become the image of God. Remember, we said in the last series that we, are the rep that we are the representation of the loving and authoritative rule of God on this earth. We are ruling in his stead. We are his image. And that becomes obvious to people around us. Anybody been to St. Peter's Cathedral here in town? Been there in St. Pete's? We have a picture of that. It's beautiful. There's a presence of God in that place. 
I've yet to pull into St. Peter's, walk in and order a Whopper. Because I can really tell the difference between Burger King and St. Pete's. I can. Can you tell? Where the Holy Spirit dwells, it becomes noticeable that there is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's obvious. And it's not, it's not, it is not me trying to tell people who God is by telling them, turn or burn varmint. There is just this presence of God that exudes out of someone who walks with the Spirit who's aware of what the Spirit's doing inside. There's this one man who, who years ago was just this wonderful temple of the Holy Spirit. His name is Smith Wigglesworth. He's got this great story. This is what happened. He said, I was traveling to Cardiff in South Wales. I'd been much in prayer on the journey, and the carriage, and it was a train, the carriage was full of people whom I knew to be unsaved or not having a relationship with Jesus. But as there was so much talking and joking, I could not get in a word from my master as the train was nearing the station. So I thought I would wash my hands, and as I returned to the carriage, a man jumped up and said, Sir, you convinced me of sin and fell on his knees. And then soon the whole carriage of people were crying out the same way. They said, Who are you? What are you? You convince us all of sin. Is that wild? Because here's what happens. When the Spirit of God has the freedom in our lives... Wherever the Spirit of God is, and especially inside of us, there is a revealing of the stupidity of sin. And sin is stupid. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you suddenly begin to realize, you know, getting drunk every weekend and vomiting is probably not the smartest thing. Having affairs and destroying my family is probably not the smartest thing. And so God reveals that. We ask forgiveness. He gives us forgiveness. And suddenly he becomes Lord in that place. He becomes the one who rules in that situation, in that circumstance. Heaven and earth intersect where the Holy Spirit abides. That's what makes it so awesome. Because when Jesus said, pray, come your kingdom be done, your will on earth as it is in heaven, he said it's going to happen when the Holy Spirit's in you. We are witnesses means simply this, that we are presently relating with the Holy Spirit in that manner. He's cleansing us. He's revealing the stupidity of the life we've lived. He's giving us hope. He's giving us grace. He's giving us forgiveness over and over and over again. And Paul called that living by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It implies a habitual, a continual, and an active interaction with the Holy Spirit. Paul used to call it pray without ceasing because it's always happening. So I simply say to you today, just today, I say this assignment, start every morning, and as many times as you can remember through the day, say this, Holy Spirit, I'm available. I am available. Whatever you want to do in me, I'm available. Whatever you want to do through me, I'm available. And that scares me because I don't know what he's going to ask. But if he's God, it's okay. And so every day, begin to think every moment, say, I'm available, I'm available. When you sit down at lunch, you go, I'm available. When you, when, you, when you take your coffee break, I'm available. When you're driving home, I'm available. You'll be surprised what God says, you're available? You say, but couldn't that be exhausting? Yes, it would be, except when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he gives you power. He gives you energy. 
Power is released where availability exists. I've seen miracles. In Salem, Oregon, we gathered around this lady. We lay hands on her because she had cancer of the throat. And we just prayed a prayer. The next morning, she got up to make breakfast for her husband, and she's making him toast. And while she's making it, without thinking, she puts it in her mouth and swallows it, and then it dawns on her she can't do that because she hasn't been able to swallow for quite a long time. She can't figure out what's going on, so she calls the doctor. She goes in, and he says, I don't know what happened to you, but the cancer's gone. So, so here's the deal. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. See, that power is also the energy you need when you're raising three preschoolers. That's probably more of a miracle. Pam and I had a friend in California, Sacramento, California, who was doing that, and she said every day, all day long, she'd just say, oh, Holy Spirit, show me what to do. Help me. Don't let me kill these kids. (laughs) Walk me through this. And she said God would give her ideas on how to raise those kids. And sometimes she said God would just put them in a coma for a while, and I was just so happy. (laughs) God will give you ability to speak in front of people when you normally have stage fright. When he says, I want you to talk, suddenly there is this ability. In fact, he said to the disciples, when you stand before rulers and they're going to condemn you, don't worry about what you're going to say because I'm going to show you what to say. I'll give you the power. He'll give you faith that when you don't think you have very much, you'll give away to other people because you just know that's what God wants you to do. And in that process, God blesses you and, and you're okay. This stuff is not for show. In fact, when they wanted to make it show, Jesus ran people off, said, this is not for show, go away. That power is to give us the ability to bring God's kingdom right into our world so that what's happening around us looks just like heaven. And people go, that's what I'm looking for. You know, earlier today as we worshiped and and John and, and Pastor Jason were talking about the culture. See, the culture changes when people are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God begins to exude out from them wherever you are. It changes the culture. So often I watch people put their faith in Jesus and then they just fade. I want to tell you that when you connect with the Holy Spirit, you don't fade because you've got energy. God gives us the person of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power. And then he says, I got a plan for you, a plan that is just uniquely yours, but then it meshes together with the corporate plan that I have. And it is astonishing what it will do. So in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about what that plan is and and the abilities and the power and the energy and the vision and the calling that God has for you through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has come to activate and to energize us. And that's good. You know why that's good? Because I just can't love any more people. In myself, I'm just tired of it. You ever get to that point? You just just don't you just don't want to love anybody else, especially the people you just think are stupid. You just don't want to love them. 
and, and, I, can, and I, can, I cannot, I cannot bring up any more energy. But when the Holy Spirit comes on us, He gives us those abilities. Because I know this. I know that when I'm exhausted, when, when I'm not, I don't want to love anybody and I don't want to be nice and I don't want to have that character of Jesus show through me, I know when I feel that way it's because I have not stopped to just spend some time meditating, praying, and reflecting on what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of me. It, it takes the Word of God. You've got, you got to take the Scriptures and, you, and if you don't study the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit has no weapon. The scriptures are called the sword of the spirit. It's the weapon you got to fight stuff and to fight the culture and to fight the, the false images. And it's, it's all those things that, that mess up your life. You can't fight those unless you know the scriptures. You got to know the scriptures. So I got to take the scriptures. And I, it's amazing to me, even if I get rushed in the morning, if I just take 10 minutes, there's this refreshing that comes. And the Holy Spirit says, like, I got gotcha. you. And then I, I pray. And I'm going to tell you, 10 minutes a day is not going to get you very far. So you got to really focus. And so then when I, when I begin to pray and when I begin to, to, to say, Spirit of God, what is it you want to do inside of me? It changes me. I have the energy. Otherwise, my head's not in the right place. I'm not wearing the Holy Spirit correctly. I'm not sinking into God's clothing. Several years ago, Dave Phillips and his wife Lynn, they're followers of Jesus, and and they just sensed that something was stirring in them, that something had to change, something was happening in them. They weren't sure what it was, but, but something had to give. And suddenly they realized that this may be the Spirit of God talking to them. And what they were understanding was this, that God wanted them to help bring relief to suffering children and to bring Jesus to them in that process. And you got to understand, Dave, Dave is a very introverted person. He doesn't like to talk in front of people. That's not his deal. He's behind the scenes. So the thought of talking in front of people just paralyzed him. So after much prayer in 1991, Dave and Lynn started Children's Hunger Fund. In January of 1992, he received a phone call from the director of a cancer treatment center in, the, in Honduras. He said, can you help me? I need, and he named a medicine. He said, I need this medicine for seven children. And if we don't get the medicine, they'll die. They said, I, I don't know what the medicine is. I have no idea where to get the medicine. I don't know anything. But I'm going to tell you that when you sink into the fabric of the Holy Spirit and when you are living a life that says, I'm available, I'm available, I'm available, something just happens. So he said to the guy on the phone, I don't know how this is going to happen, but let me pray with you that God will show us what to do. And so they pray. He hangs up the phone. Now listen, before he took his hand off the receiver, the phone rang. It was a pharmaceutical company in New Jersey who had 48,000 vials of the medicine he was trying to find. He said, not only will we give you $8 million worth of medicine, but we have the means. We'll airlift it anywhere in the world you need it to go. In 48 hours, the medicine was in Honduras and 20 other places in the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Today, they have distributed more than $950 million in food and other relief to over 10 million kids in 70 countries and 32 states in the United States. 
Children's Hunger Fund has distributed more than 150 million pounds of food and 110 million toys because somebody said, I'm available. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, to Honduras, to your home, to Fort LaBeouf High School, to Gannon University, to Giant Eagle, to Lord Corporation, to the Cancer Center, St. Vincent's, to Hammett. It's you. And it starts with this. Holy Spirit, I want to sink into the fabric of who you are. I want to be clothed with you. I want to get my head in the right place. And so I'm going to say to you every day, I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. And when we do that, our next word should be, watch out world. Here we come. Would you stand? I would like for you this morning to receive a challenge from me because I've been trying to practice that this, this week because I knew I was going to ask you to do this. I've been trying every day to go, I'm available. I'm available. Holy Spirit, I'm available. Some days I don't do so well. But the great thing about God's grace is he goes, oh, it's okay, get back in, let's go. So I'm going to invite you in just a moment to take a posture of submission, which in this case will be the raising of the hands. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hands and just in just a few seconds, I just want you to just raise it and just say, representative of a lifestyle that you're going to determine will be yours from now and as long as it takes till Jesus comes, Holy Spirit, I'm available. Now, I'm going to tell you, if we're, if we're serious about this, there are going to be some stories coming out this week because he's going to use you. You say, that scares me. It's okay, be scared. It's all right. Because the joy and the enthusiasm and the answer you'll see will far outweigh the little bit of fear you have. By the way, the word witness is the word martyr, which means I'm available no matter what it costs me. So would you take this posture? So Jesus, Father, we need your Holy Spirit because we can't follow you with, without him. So fill us full of who he is. And we say to you, I'm available. In fact, if you would, just say it out loud. I'm available. Lord, you hear us. And from this point on, keep reminding us and show us what you will do through those who are available. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.